Any questions so far? Tell them why, what your experience was, if you like. Yeah, sure. I just had a, it's a rare autoimmune disease that hit sort of suddenly when I was 17. Ugh, now I'm going to cry. But I just, I, like you were saying too, like I just bled everywhere internally, and it was abrupt, and no one knew what was wrong with me, and I was in the hospital for like months, and then finally they still didn't know what was wrong with me, and I was dying, and they were like, okay, say goodbye to your daughter, she's, you know, gone, and then at the last minute, a visiting doctor was like, oh, I know what's wrong with her, I think, and then they did, like, a biopsy, and then I immediately had, like, horrific treatment <laughs> that's not even worth getting into bad, and, uh, like, therapy and steroids and, you know, like, a year of awful stuff, but it's really awful, <laughs> and I always thought, you know, if I had children or something, I could Connects to it, right? That suffering, that long-term suffering. I mean, you know, cancer is growing. Yes. In this country, yes. Prolong it as much as possible, regardless of the experience of the person. It's amazing this denial of death. Out of this ridiculous amount that we spend on death care, which is not really health care because our medicine is just <coughs> backwards. I mean, we're amazing at uh, emergency stuff and emer- amazing at certain things, autoimmune cancer, but some things really suck at. Half of that, and I forget it's in the trillions of dollars, is spending the last eight days of someone's life to five days of someone's life. Of someone that you know is going to go. I mean, it's not like, it's not a, some person that you can bring back. That's a denial of death. I mean, when you work in hospitals, you actually see death as this enemy, right? So the person that's dying a lot of times, if they're conscious, they're actually made to feel like they're a failure because the doctor's ego is sort of like, well, I couldn't, it's crazy, it's crazy. So you're up, one will be up against that as well. Besides dealing with your own suffering, the suffering of those around you, then the whole thing, well, I'm letting these people down. And that's true for your family. Sometimes, like, if you don't want the chemo, you know, they say you're being selfish because we sure. want you here those last sure. eight months, nine months, sure. you know? And you feel like you can't even make those choices. Well, you have, to learn, you have to learn to be strong, right? I mean, that's the character. Right. Listening to how everyone felt like all this, and I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. What, is, is that bad, the fact that I felt so relaxed? No, 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 it's not bad. But um, there's this uh, river in Egypt called the Nile, and it's a very interesting thing. It's, well, like, I, I feel I, like I'm a pretty like self-aware. I'm yeah. as forthright as I am with everybody else. I try to. Be with my, I'm going to two parents who are very sick, so I don't know if that's. You can only know by keep practicing and see what comes up. But at some point, in my experience, you're going to have to have some emotions around it because it's not. No one's to get off that easy. No one is let off that easy. 
It, it usually is a mental thing. Not, you might be the one in a million. But remember, when you say you're forthright with people, your forthrightness is actually a defense mechanism against feeling your emotions. So that's not, you say forthright like it's like, I'm a forthright, so it means... But I feel like I'm like that with myself, even. No. So I guess no, it's a defense mechanism. We all have defense mechanisms. This sweetness is a defense mechanism. This is a defense mechanism. This is a defense mechanism. This is pretty much the only thing that might not be a defense mechanism, although this can be a defense mechanism, too. Your dog, when you're playing and it gets to a certain level, will give up its throat as a defense mechanism. Like, okay, you got me. I just, But that's a defense mechanism. It's not saying kill me. It's saying like, okay. Unlike a human being, they're smart enough to go, like, we don't need to take this to death. But it's all defense mechanism. We're all defended. It's not just you. I'm not pointing a finger. But certainly, I mean, forthrightness, not the same defense mechanism as you, it's a form of hiding. Right? I mean, like, no one signed you on a dotted line to be a drill sergeant, did they? Some friends might come to you now and be like, I really like, because you speak the truth, please tell me the truth. That's them giving you permission. But I'm sure you offer it even when it's not. No, I don't. But the forthright. I've learned that through my many years of living. Right. But it is a defense mechanism. It's right. not in that, you know what I'm saying? You weren't born that way. Right? Genetically, you might have propensity for certain behaviors, but we learn this stuff. Why did we learn it? is pushing back at some point. And beautiful that you're relaxed. For someone like you, who holds a lot, as the rest of us do, that's wonderful to be relaxed. All I'm saying is play with it. I don't know you, I don't, you, only, you have your own experience. But it's not that quick, in my experience. And again, we're not just doing this stuff to be bummers. Really, from my experience, is just to learn to be here more. I had such a painful childhood. I went after spiritual experience because I didn't want to be in pain. I happened to find what I thought I was looking for. I have awakening. I have all these... Like, the biggest gift of this stuff is, I don't know about you, probably most of you in here are seekers. It's just the goddamn seeking stuff. Like, that alone is like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Teacher, and this and that. And please, I want to know. Read this book. Read, and like, it comes, you're like, oh, okay. So that was... But the joy part, that's an art form. I mean, I want to be that dumbass guy if I live long to have no teeth in my head. Like, Because <laughs> I was never that guy. I wasn't like, there are people who are really happy and I think it's beautiful. The, you know, few that are not faking it. That's mastery. You know, I just, it's just interesting that this, um, uh, the day that we're doing this is uh, in Mexico, November 1st and 2nd are Day of the Dead, and it's such a refreshing, I lived there for a few years, and it's their attitude, and many other cultures, but I mean, I lived there, but just there's such a, um, an acceptance, actually, and, and a playfulness, and there's many different aspects to the holiday, but it's very, very, very it's taken very seriously, it's very beautiful, you know. And it's um, a real welcoming back of the spirits of the people that we love. And people go en masse to the graveyards of their family and they bring all of their favorite liquors and whatever they like to eat and drink and they'll actually have their meals in the graveyard, you know. And it's, you know, coming from here, it was like, wow. Like, I, I mean, it was such a freedom, actually, for me to be in that environment. Well, because you live in a culture of denial. Why yeah. do you think I picked up, did anybody pick up why we did this today? 
Because Halloween's tomorrow. That's why I picked this day. It's the closest time we become, we come to in this culture to actually honor the mask. How do we do it? We get shit-faced dressed like sluts and pirates. That's <laughs> about like as much as we can like connect with our culture. That's why I picked this day. Right? And, and, and why is it that we go there? Because of repression of sexuality and repression of the violence. Which then is everywhere, right? I mean, what is Hollywood? Hollywood is this unconscious material being vomited out. I mean, do you notice all the vampire movies? Why do you think that's about? Because that's what we're living. That's, that's our repressed material. Narcissism. Suck the energy of other living beings to nourish yourself. I was just walking up here today, a bus came up, but I don't know if it was a movie or if it was a TV show called The Walking Dead. I mean, it's right here. It's like, hello, hello, knock, knock, knock. That's how we have this repression. Now, to your point to the dead, I just had a close sister, not a sister, but a sister of mine, a racer, died two weeks ago. When I have friends or family that die, what I do is, I actually prepare them their favorite meal, and I invite all their friends and I set a place for them, and I actually feed everyone with their favorite food. That's something to me that just by seeing what I see, something that I do. Dead people love that shit. They <laughs> love me up. Usually two, three weeks before they make the transition. It's not here or there. It's just a sweet thing to do. More do it for yourself than them. They're, you know. But that is something really powerful to do, and it's a nice closure for yourself. I'll put up their pictures. I'll put on their helmet. Just put, you know, just... And you have to grieve it. Right? I can tell you it's all one. I can tell you that it's, everything is fine. I cried like a baby. My knees gave out when I heard this. I love this woman. I just want to cry talking about it. 25 years I've known this kid. I just collapsed. That's the gift of waking up. It doesn't make you superwoman or superman. I've watched hundreds of people die. I held my uncle in my arms when I was 17. He died in my arms. I started this death stuff early. I never cried once. But now when I lose someone like that, I literally collapse on my knees when I got the phone, the message. That's what this is about. It sounds crazy, right? You'd rather not cry. Like, I might die to the walking out of here. You probably one of you will push me out the window because I pissed you off. But you get more vulnerable. You don't get more... That's the confusion also in our culture. Now, on this topic, this is one thing that's very important. The most important thing. <laughs> D.T. Suzuki, you know, the Zen master used to say, the most important thing is to know what is the most important thing. <laughs> Only a Zen master can say that. How badass is that? That guy was gangster. The most important thing is to know what the most important thing is. But this is the most important thing today. Um, phenomenal versus absolute. Sit with that for a second. Like those years I would read the word phenomenal in books, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I have to look it up when they look like, what are they talking about phenomenal? What are they talking about the absolute? For a non-religious person like me, the word God is a little bit too tainted. The divine, okay, that gets kind of new agey. The absolute, the way, let's say, Advaita or these non-dualistic thinking talk about it, is the part of you that's not in duality. So it would be the Godhead, the point, what we attempt to reach, the absolute. Everything else is phenomenal. So, seeing spirits, phenomenal. It's other than, like, well, I see spirits. Is that, it's not the absolute. Talking to the dead, phenomenal. Psychic abilities, phenomenal. Are you, are you with me on this one? Mm -hmm. 
a lot of things in this culture are unconsciously sold as the absolute. They're just phenomenal. You can train yourself. You can be a world-class psychic, like my friend here. She has gifts that she came with, and she's trained at it, and she's treated hundreds and hundreds of people, so she's fine-honed it. Now, none of us might be as good as her because she has an innate gift, but you can learn some of the things that she does. Right? Phenomenal. A lot of people in this culture get these phenomenal experiences and they think it's the absolute. The absolute is democratic. It makes fuck-all difference. What your psychic gift is, what your bank account is, who you studied with. Much of what passes for the absolute is phenomenal. You're going to have a life here. 50 years, 70 years, 80 years. Go study phenomenal stuff. It's interesting. Well, what are you interested in? You want to learn to be psychic? Go study that. Want to learn how to mess people up with your fist? Go study that. Want to put your hands through people energetically? Go study that. Phenomenal. Don't confuse it with the absolute. Your absolute is your true nature. So just like spirituality and psychology, phenomenal and absolute, these things are never discussed in this culture. It's sort of like... Yeah, if you do spiritual work, it's kind of psychological. No, it's not. No phenomenal experience is going to bring you to the absolute. So a very common thing, what's happening right now that I see in my practice the last year and a half, a lot of people are having what we used to call kundalini experiences a couple of years back, awakenings, seeing dead people, obviously dead people, um, having flashes of the future, psychic abilities. Wonderful. Wonderful because it breaks your hypnosis, right? It breaks the cultural hypnosis to think that this is solid and then to realize it's not solid. It's interesting. It's phenomenal. And people will always try to reclaim that experience. People will have a psychic thing and they want to have it over and over. They see the other side, they want to have it over and over. So be very conscious. Are you going after phenomenal things or are you going after the absolute? Is that clear? Absolute phenomenon? What does it look like, though, when you're going after the absolute? It's definitely not jerk enough. Phenomenal is jerk is something like sugar. You eat it and you're just hungry again. You eat it, you're hungry again. The closer you get to the absolute, it's very filling. A little bit of it. That's how I can say it. You know when you're going after the absolute. You know very well when you're going after phenomenon. Right? So, if, again, you're living there, you have a family, you have to earn money. Right? I've had no money, I have money. Trust me. Anybody says money doesn't matter? Okay. In a place like New York City, paying your rent is pretty awesome. Pretty cold out there today. Phenomenal things are important. And remember what we talked about earlier. Everyone that I've come across comes to spirituality out of pain. So, the phenomenal thing is a way of trying to empower yourself, trying to defend yourself from suffering. If I have this psychic ability, if I have this gift, if I have that gift. The absolute is free. It's everyone's true nature. So what I said in the beginning, Nisargadatta said what? You don't have to understand enough if you don't misunderstand. The problem with all these teachings is it just throws in all these concepts that get in the way of understanding. I know this, I know that. That stuff is useless. Useful, but useless. Hence the term, when you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. It's a very strange concept. Like, why the hell do we want to kill Buddha? That didn't hurt anyone. This is all this teacher worship now. So, 
Let's talk about that for one second. I said, do you need a break or are you okay? We talked in the beginning about shadow. There's light shadow, dark shadow. So dark shadow, we suppress stuff. A lot of this teacher worship stuff is that light shadow. We can't hold it for ourselves. This guy's great, man. You got to meet this guy. He's amazing. Oh, she's so wonderful. We actually don't hold that energy for ourselves. So there's a lot of that teacher worship going on. And then that's added to the fact that a lot of us have issues with our parents. And we project this parental perfection on people. Is there fear to take ownership of it? Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you get, I mean, those of you who have had little experiences, you know, if you get big enough around you, people will try to give you your head. They'll try to take your head off. Right? There's a certain comfort we have with people. You ever notice when you start doing really well in something in your life, might be financial, might be art, people start saying shit about you? Your true friends would be like, awesome, I'm so happy for you. But sometimes you hear painful things from people. You live in a lack mentality world. It's easy to be small and dark. You know, turn the lights off. It's dark in here. When you're bright, people come after you. Why? Because in our worldview, if I have means you don't have. As opposed to real, like, if I have, let me teach you how to have. If you have, teach me how you have. That's the world we want to be after. That's not how it works. So yes, there is fear. So to me, it's really wild when I hear that thing. You know, a teacher is good at what they do. But that's nothing. You still got to buy a cup of coffee for four bucks. This stuff we're talking about in here is not going to buy you four bucks a crack at Starbucks. It's not. Don't confuse phenomenal versus the absolute. There's a big confusion there. With me on that? So, we talked about the masks. We talked about what everybody knows. Everyone's read their pipe psychology books, the shadow, you take a piece of it, you throw it in the back, you wear the mask. Why? Because we're absolutely afraid of helplessness. So if you thought dying is difficult, Helplessness makes dying look like a joke. We will do whatever we can not to feel helpless. And you go like, I don't believe that. And I go, really? Let's do an exercise. So you're going to stand up. One person is going to close it. You're going to pair up. And actually, don't pair up. If you're a couple, don't pair up. Pair up with somebody you don't know. One person is going to close their eye. Another person is going to lead them. Now, let me show you, because every time I've done this, people do their own thing. Because everybody gets... Allow them to grab you. You grab me. He's got his eyes closed. I don't drag them. I walk them. And they walk. It's not a race. And I don't want you to bumping these people into each other. I mean, you are the custodian of this person. So be here. Both of you feel your feet as you're doing it. And be aware of your And watch the giggling, because right away you're going to get nervous when you start kicking. Okay? So first we're going to do this, we're going to sit for a second, and then we're going to change partners. I mean, I'm sorry, not going to change partners, but the same partner. Well, okay, get up to No talking? Oh, uh, no talking. Just Pardon? keep the chairs. Keep the chairs. I want you to actually have a contained space. Okay, quiet. Quiet, and don't bump, it's not a race. The person closing the eyes, close. 
nice and slow. One hand will do. Nice and slow. Feel your feet. Breathe. Hold your posture the way I showed you, lifting from the back of your skull. Change arms, change eyes. No talking, no talking. Keep getting it.
stop again. Just feel. Feel what it feels like to be on this other side. Take your seat. <laughs> Let's take a back break and then we'll come back. Yeah. Um, the first observation, the control freaks in you, we're grabbing someone like... So it's amazing how much we betray ourselves in the lack of trust that we have. So I said to you, the way you lead a blind person, and the way you lead a blind person is you have them have control, you just guide them. So the interesting thing was, those of you who had that like triple lock jujitsu death grip on someone's arm, you know, if you had a muzzle, you put it on the other person, how little we actually trust. The second thing was the anxiety, the responsibility of leading someone, which then translates into laughter or speed, which is very common in our culture. Right away when we're anxious, we get fast. And then the people following, for example, for you, you were like two steps ahead of this person. He's like, you're going. You're like, come along. He's got his eyes closed. He doesn't know. That's why I said to you, slow down. Like literally, it was like, that's our anxiety. And that's all of us, to some extent. You were just coming up that way. Now, who wants to share something about the experience? What I found interesting, um, I worked with um, addicts, and um, we called it the trust walk. All right? And um, so I don't know if I made any association to it while I was doing this exercise or not. But when I first, when it was my turn to close my eyes, I found myself um, like a way, uh, the, 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 the lack of trust wasn't that I was holding on to her. I was actually trying to give myself some distance between her. When I was observing myself, and um, when I allowed myself, like my eyes were closed, but when I allowed myself to have my eyes closed, right, that's when I started getting anxious and fearful. And um, but as we kept doing it, I, I found myself feeling more comfortable, and then I was drawing closer to her. But um, at first, there was a lot of even like I would not accept that I'm totally like dependent here, oh, yeah. you know, and then. Even though I couldn't see, you know, but somehow you still try to hold on to some delusional way of thinking you're in somewhat of some control. But once I allowed myself to have my eyes closed, I, I even, like, I was really like, even watching when I was pacing. So that was, it was an interesting experience. I thought it was really amazing. So in life, in general, we're not in control much of the time. There's illusion of control. Right? So I talk about it like you're on a roller coaster ride and you think you're driving the roller coaster. And you put your hand left because the track's going left and it goes left. Put your hand right and it goes right. And one time you put your hand right and the thing goes left. And you go like, oh my God, I'm not driving this thing. But very quickly you'll make up another story about how you're controlling. So one thing is you can go through life or in this abject terror all the time. And we hide it behind these masks. Smiley guy, spiritual guy, I'm going to be in your face woman, I'm going to be loving, kind woman, Mother Teresa, whatever the thing is. 
So part of this experience is observe what your shtick is, because the helplessness is the bottom line of these masks. You remember what we talked about? When you're very little, you were helpless. All these masks are attempts to say that we're not helpless. Who else wants to share something? I'm closing that one. Yeah. Um, I felt abject terror when I was leaving you. I, I didn't even realize how tense I was until you said, stop and see your body. Like, my sphincter, my breathing, my stomach, everything was like this. And then we, I thought, oh, wow, it's been getting worse when my eyes are closed. And it's the opposite. I felt like, wee! This is awesome! Not much. And I realized that I parent in that same tense way. With my daughter, even though I try to make it fun, it's like with abject terror of what I'm looking at now. And yet, all I want is to be free and to let someone else leave me. Right. And that was. Right. And even though we bumped into people, no offense to your family, I still was. I loved it. So share if you care to share a little bit about your experience as a child. Uh, Just a little bit. Incredibly controlling mother. Um, you know, I when I think the first thing I thought of is I remember you know the spoon up filled with soup being jammed through my mouth and shutting my teeth and having to still stick it in. Um, you know. So having compassion, and she raised her family in a way because they came here and she was young and she became the eyes and ears of the family at a very young age. So given that history of control, and then given the fact that at such a young age you were basically dependent on to run the whole show, of course it's really exhausting, and of course you have, you're going to be a super control freak, but the part that we don't have compassion for, like it's very easy in this culture, we pass judgment on people who are controlling. Controlled people, they're controlling because they didn't feel safe. You've got to really have compassion for that part of yourself. You're not an asshole. It didn't feel safe. Right? So if you are raised in a Nazi concentration camp and have the fortune to survive that, you're going to have a different reaction to someone or a situation or a person with a military uniform than someone who hasn't had that experience. It's like that. It's that traumatic to the child. It's that horrendous to the child. So we just pass judgment even on ourselves. Like, oh, I'm such a control freak. It's like, no, you were really frightened at a very young age. That's what you're controlling. So do, did that mean if I was terrified by when I had a controller, that means I'm a control freak? Well, we're all control freaks. I don't mean many people. What it is is the responsibility of having to be so on all the time. Because mm -hmm. there were people who were walking people and they banged them into people and they just don't care. They're just like, whatever. So you had to be so hyper aware. Mm -hmm. And that's usually from being given too much responsibility at an age where you cannot have that possible ability to handle it, right? So when my mother at five years old is telling me her marital problems, it's made me a damn good therapist. Not too good for my little personal life there until I sort that shit out, right? Because at five years old, you're like, um, okay, so you're trying to figure it out. Okay, so if that's happening and that's doing that, then how do I... You start using your mind in a way that's not formed, not designed to be formed. I mean, you can't operate heavy machinery at 10. You're just not coordinated enough. But if you're designed to do it, you become a good machine. You jump into that cab and you're like, bah, 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 you know? But that's that uber sense of having to be controlling, which 
A lot of you in this room, what happened? Your shoulders went up. Sure. Hit that the other senses. Well, it opens up because you're in that hyper alert state. So the idea is to actually do this with being more relaxed. But well, uh, why? Why was if she has this control thing? Like, I mean, I have the same experience, and I. Why was it so easy for her to let go when someone else was leading? Well, there is this piece of it where it's actually enjoyable to surrender. But I guarantee you'll get to a point where it won't be that easy. That's just momentary. If you feel safe, if it's a safe environment, everybody can let go. Now, for you, an amazing experience would be, which I think is great for couples, is take turns, blindfold one of you, and it's not sexual. Put your mind out of the gutter. Yeah, he, he's like, damn. For an extra 20 bucks, you can go. That'll be on private. Um, blindfold the other person and feed them. A couple of bites. So you have the food on the table, one person wears blindfold, and one couple or friend, family member, hard with family members because you usually end up stabbing them. <laughs> um, you actually cut a piece of food and you feed them. And you would educate him into not in any way, given the history of what you just shared, of getting that fork shoved in your mouth and that spoon, you'll be very sensitive orally. It's a very gentle process. And he keeps checking with you, is this slow enough? Is this soft enough? We'll see how much you enjoy that. I guarantee you won't initially. So, it is beautiful to let go of control when it's safe. That's the whole idea of love. When you have a friend that you trust, a lover that you trust, an animal that you trust, what is that? It's letting go of control. You don't put your guard up around your dogs, around your cat. That's what we love these beings. So maybe you do something with a Doberman. But I mean, in general, like you're very conscious to kind of relax that energy. Um, questions? Yes, sharing. Um, I was going to share. Yeah. I, I think for me, this is just a very safe environment. Right. So that's why the dying experience was no problem. Okay. When you were leaving, I had, to me this is funny, but I had a flashback because it's so safe in here. When I was about six or seven, the kid that lived near me was really not right. And we were playing blind, blind man's love, and there was an empty pool, and he let me walk into the six foot empty Jeez. end. So oh I had a. Yeah, you know, I was lucky I didn't do any damage, but so but that came back to me when I was like, I'm so glad we're here. <laughs> That's really heavy, right? Yeah. It didn't feel heavy. It seemed humorous. No, no, but no. Then it was heavy. Then I'm saying. Yeah. But but here's the thing: you had this physical experience of that trauma. That trauma is nothing compared to that emotional pool that we're walked in on a daily level by unconscious people as children. Hence the mask. Did you see your reaction when she said that? Horrific. Child, six foot deep, right? You felt that. We've been talking all morning about helplessness and how painful the mask is. None of you had that reaction. That's what I'm talking about. You're listening to this stuff as an adult. It's not the same. That's the experience emotionally. That trauma that she had. The trauma that she had. You, with your surgery and being ripped open. And it's traumatic. This stuff is very traumatic. It's very easy to mouth this stuff. And this is what I say to you, be firm and be compassionate, really be gentle. This stuff's brutal. It's not fun, and that's why none of us want to visit it. Yeah? Anybody else want to share anything? Sure. Um, the moment that I felt, I felt pretty safe, because I know you, but the moment that I felt really scared was when she, for me, she accelerated a lot. And then when I checked in with her, she said, just a tiny bit. But it felt like she was really 
Iranian living behind. And my reaction was to laugh. I mean, again, the, the laugh, I'm so sensitive to, you know, how we um, use laughter to express other things rather than yeah. joy. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was actually scared of most just laughing. So it was nervousness. I mean, there is joy laughter, but that kind of laugh, that's just behavior. Just be like, oh, I'm actually nervous. Mm -hmm. So you're in a car with someone, someone's driving like a maniac. <laughs> so be like, hey, slow down, man, you're going to kill us. It's that energy. Being led or leading? Being led. Because um, I had my eyes closed first. And I just felt like I heard everyone walking everywhere. I didn't know we were going in a circle. So I thought there was just people coming at me probably. And then I saw the light. And then I the light. And I just was scared the whole time. And then um, when I was leading you, I felt so much better. And it was almost nice to feel needed or wanted. Like maybe I don't feel like that ever. So. We're a great leader. <laughs> Well, it's very tricky, this stuff, because some people resent leading because they have to be so on top of things in the world, or they just always shirk responsibility and never lead. It's very interesting. Again, it's very dependent on what's going on. For some people, it's really great practice to let somebody lead them. But if you're a control freak, which we all are to different degrees, that'll only be to a certain limit. Because remember your experience with Omega, like somebody will just grab you and bump you into things and you'll be like, yo. Three times that bitch knocked me into the wall. <laughs> so we did this exercise a couple of years ago at Omega and she kept getting knocked into a wall. And um, as you can tell, Patty carries weapons on her, so it's not sort of something you want to mess with her. But it's really a big responsibility on both sides of it of trusting yourself or not. So it sounds like such a simple exercise. That's against, play around with these things. I mean, I'm trying to give you tools that you can play around with. So for you, the death thing was very easy. But then here you were, having to practice living death, and it wasn't that easy. So that's the thing about this stuff. The helplessness is a big part of this whole thing. This whole shtick, meaning from the way you're dressed, the way you're sitting, the way you're talking, is to cover up the helplessness. Can you feel that? Our whole shtick is to cover up the helplessness. You come into this world, you're helpless, there are these basic demands made on you, even if your parents are perfect, no one can be perfect. And we build up these calluses. You, you've worked with your hands and you get calluses, these master calluses. The problem with calluses is that you don't feel. Once you get calluses on your hand, you do leave, lose sensation. So the idea is just to become aware of it. Anything you want to share before we go to the next thing? So helplessness is the opposite of control freak? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, well, vulnerability is the opposite of control freak. Helplessness is the underlying energy that we're there all the time. Mm. Like, we're always helpless. We just have these acts like we think we're not helpless. So all these attempts, whether it's to cover up with if I have enough money, if I have thin enough, muscle enough, fat enough, whatever your thing is, that's attempts to cover up that helplessness. 
The dying exercise is a way of actually getting in touch with that helplessness. Because vulnerability is real strength, right? A piece of wood, like this wood, it's very hard, it's dead. If it was a tree, it'd be more pliable. That's vulnerability, and that's control. When we kill aspects of ourselves to be solid. But it's dead. It's got functions. I mean, you can walk on this, right? But the vulnerability part is actually the tree being soft. There's a beauty in it, There's, but it's vulnerable. This snowstorm will snap its limbs. Vulnerability is not easy. But that's the work either. That's not idiot compassion. One of the things with this negative pleasure is we set up situations where two people come up. One of them is very trustworthy, one of them isn't trustworthy. And we'll open up to the untrustworthy one so we can say unconsciously, see, people will always screw you up. Did you catch that? Unconscious. Let's say love relationships. The habitual thing is that you have somebody that cheats on you. Two men or two women come in, two lovers, identical twins. One has the wounding characteristics of your childhood, because that's how we repeat these patterns. And one doesn't. Because, remember what I said to you earlier, we sexualize these early wounds. You won't even be attracted to the one that doesn't have the wound in. You're not even going to be attracted to the one that's good for you. But it's not good for you, you have to work through it. You will choose the one that will have the same pattern. Those of you who have been in a couple of relationships, you do realize what I'm telling you. You're getting that blank look. I mean, you're really having the connection with the same person, regardless of what you've done, to the amount that you've healed it, then you choose someone. And people sometimes go, well, I totally broke that pattern. And that happens very rarely. Very rarely. The sexual charge, we have to attach pleasure to that original wounding. That's why it gets confusing. A lot of times in intimate relationships, people have this profound sexual connection with someone who's really bad for them. Bad for them, as in not morally bad, as not healthy. It's a drug situation. You're repeating a drug situation. You with me on that? But that also happens in these situations. So, your unconscious, this stuff gets very tricky, will constantly bring to you the same experiences to reveal it. Your conscious mind is not privy to that information. The conscious mind is like, huh? The unconscious is like, okay, we're going to bring this in this form. Like, let's see if you get it now. We're going to bring this in this form. The conscious mind is like, huh? But the conscious mind also loves being the victim. I can't believe that happened to me again. I can't, I mean, see, this is, you can't trust people. So what I'm saying, be vulnerable, but don't do the idiot compassion thing. I mean, be conscious of being vulnerable too. You're going to wear your expensive watch down in some bad neighborhood to get your ass kicked. You have that coming. Don't be an idiot. It's like, trust me, you have to be guardian of your heart. But understand that your unconscious will constantly want to set up a situation where you can have your story. I'm a rebel, people hate me. I'm the black sheep wherever I go. Practice different things, especially with intimate relationships, those of you who are trying to get an M or repeat certain patterns. And we all do. Now, clear on that? Did I bum you out enough? I can go deeper. I can just really make you cry. <laughs> Projections. So we talked about you come in, you wear the mask, the mask is a defense mechanism, we've got the negative pleasure, we work on the helplessness part. Now what happens with these things that we don't own? So we talked about the positive shadow, the light shadow, the dark shadow. We project it out. Now, this is the most unpleasant part. The most unpleasant part of today is this aspect of it. We all have some aspect that we project on other people. There's something that pisses you off about other people. 
It can be that they're too cheap, they talk too much, they're too mean, they're too angry, whatever. So before, um, you guys have that experience, right? It's not just me. I mean, I love the blank face on your face. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just Bodhidharma. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I was projecting that on you. Actually, that's a uh, hundred times worse than it is. I'm being kind. Culturally, I am. Culturally, it's easier to see. So let's go into a cultural projection. So we talked about the devastation of, let's say, Nazi Germany. The Germans took the Jews as a culture and projected the stuff that was their stuff. Right? I mean, it's always our stuff. And they decimated the culture. I mean, it's not a joke, this projection stuff. It's not like, hey, man, just own your projections. In our country, before that, during World War II, it was the Chinese, uh, the Japanese, I'm sorry, the Nips, the Krauts, like these really ugly caricatures, what the Germans did with the Jews. You look at these pictures, they're just grotesque. Then we throw our anger and all our violence and all our stuff at these images. Right? So we hate them. And then we keep moving. So in our country, we can go through with the Red Scare, then it was the Taliban, now it's like whoever the next person will be. Bankers. Bankers. But, but, but it's true. But it's true because, yes, has there been? Of course. But the game's always been rigged. It's not like people are like, oh, all of a sudden wake up, now we're going to hit the bankers. It is true. And that's kind of a problem with this stuff. I mean, yes, look at the French Revolution. We were just talking about this at lunch. You had all these uh, people hanging from trees, and where are we? There's Sarkozy uh, shaking hand with some Libyan rebel, which these mofos will make the Taliban look like a bunch of tree huggers, um, with weapons that this guy, look online, how much did France and England sell weapons to Libya? And the same thing that Reagan did with the Taliban. These are our founding, like our founding fathers, Reagan said. I lived in Afghanistan as a kid. These guys are fucking scary, man. Any diplomat, any UN worker was like, the Taliban? You guys are like helping the Taliban? And Brzezinski, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Brzezinski comes out, um, are funding these people, and like both sides start like giving weapons to these people as a way of, this is all the shadow stuff. We project this stuff on him, humanity doesn't get it. So let's kill every banker. You think that's going to solve everything? We are, it is us. It's us and them thing. We all play for the same team. Part of what's going on right now is there is no us and them. Are there people that need to be in jail for what's happened? Absolutely. Is it ridiculous that the way the culture is? Is it ridiculous you have two million people in jail in this country? You want to talk about shadows? Yes. But just projecting on one group of people doesn't solve it because we're all a part of that. There is no outside and inside. You don't have to like people, you have to love them. Most important thing today. It's not one of those most important things. <laughs> You don't have to like people, you have to love them. Does that make sense? Make sense? Really sit on that one. The people you might not like, you don't want to invite them to your house, you have to love them, which means have compassion. This control freak thing. Very easy to get pissed off at control freak, especially if you're a control freak. That asshole. That's you. That's an aspect of you you haven't owned. And we're going to do an exercise now. But this shadow stuff, it's beyond this cute new agey stuff. It has direct consequences in what's going on on the planet. Can I ask a question? Yes. Now, do you think that a part of why I would be upset with somebody who's, who's outwardly being controlling, mm-hmm. do you think a part of that, because, like, I'm aware of, of, of some of my shadow stuff, right? mm-hmm. sometimes I would still get upset with somebody when they're, 
but I think that part, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I think, what I'm thinking is that maybe a part of that anger is towards self because I'm not giving myself permission to do what they're doing. It's very subtle. Although, we're going to go to exercise now, and you tell me that after the exercise we're doing. Okay. Because that actually can be a part of it. So, projections. In the 12-step program, they have this great line. If you spot it, you got it. One finger pointing at you, three fingers pointing back. Blah, blah, blah. Very cute. Very true. So, that woman I told you about earlier who's a Tibetan Buddhist, Kimberly Teresa, I believe is her name. This is her exercise. I'm going to guide you through it. Close your eyes. So, this is about integrating the shadow. Feel your body, feel your feet. You're going to visualize a person that really ticks you off. Can be a family member, political figure, hedge fund manager, healer. They're sitting across the room. And you're going to start with the third person. Start talking about them. What makes you angry about them? Really go to your emotional body on this one. They're across the room. And you're talking about them. They can't hear you, but you're really talking about them. Breathe. Now, they're going to come and sit in a chair in front of you. And you, go, you are going to go from the third person into second person and tell them everything you were just saying. You are this. You are this.
let that person go. And you're going to repeat everything in the first person. But you just said to that person, to yourself, I am. I am. I am. open eyes and come back into the room. I'm going to go around the room. Would you like to share something? Yeah, I, I picked somebody that um, I work with. Um, and um, I found, of course, it was easier to talk about her, <laughs> not to her face. And to say to other people some of the things that I felt she was unfair and I didn't like about her. Um, and um, But when I sat down with her, I was still able to say it in a nicer way. Okay? I, I pride myself on trying to be more honest. And she knows that I have some of these feelings. Um, so I don't really say it, but I think she senses that. So I was able to do that. Like I said, though, I, I um, said it nicer in a nicer way. And then when I had to turn it around on me, um, I don't know, I, I kept saying, how, how, how could this be? <laughs> this can't be me. You know, um, I pride myself on the opposite of that, you know? So that was coming up with, I mean, sure, I'm not unprofessional. I try so hard, you know? Um, sweat shaking. <laughs> um, so a lot of those things, then they nice, well, maybe could there could there be some truth in any of this, or could there be something that I wish I had more of, or um, that I was defending against, looking at, um, and I could acknowledge a little bit. I could acknowledge a little bit. Not everything, but then I said the ones that I'm most charged about should be the ones that are probably the most uh, telling about myself. First of all, let the word should go. Okay. For all of you, let the word should go. Should is addiction. There's no shoulds. Mm -hmm. It is, it isn't. Should is like shame. There's yeah. no should. Mm -hmm. That's a very important thing. It's difficult. This is what I'm saying. It's not pleasant, this stuff. You don't have to like people. You have to love them. You don't have to like them. There might be certain character flaws that they have that might or might not trigger stuff in you. But if you're reacting to it, it's still your issue. That's what we're working on. Here's a news flash. People always feel your judgment about them. I mean, I really try hard not to talk behind people's backs. I'm a human being, so obviously I fail at it, but I really try hard because people feel it. Especially now because the veil is so thin. It's so damaging talking shit behind people's backs. Unbelievable. It's like putting a knife in their back. This is just as a human being I'm talking to, as a therapist. You got some beef about someone, go talk to them or shut up stops there. 
especially because the veil is so thin now, and people are very vulnerable. So I, what, what is, I don't know what you mean by the veil. The veil is part of us that thinks we're separate. This is the veil. This is oh. you, this is me, this is him, this is her. It's one hand. So the veil is that part of us that identifies as separate being is very thin. That's why so many people are having psychic experiences, seeking things, you coming here today. That part that gives this distinction that we're separate is getting thinner and thinner. That's also why people are having psychotic breaks now. Because if you don't really know who you are, it's kind of weird when that veil gets thinner. Go ahead. I want to keep it short. I, want you just, I don't want you to go through all piece of it. I want us just a, a little synopsis of your experience. How could you own what you, what you thought? Mm. I was getting um, frustrated when I was older than mm. right? Because I could, I could identify with what I dislike, mm. dislike, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But uh, I just don't do it in the same way. I use a different technique. To, to, but I do the same thing she does. Beautiful. That's, that's a gift. It's just frustrating. Yeah, yeah, but this is what I was saying to you. You've got to make room for your humanness. We are all deeply flawed. We are all deeply flawed. The sooner we're all deeply flawed. The most kind, loving person in here, we're deeply flawed. The more you can make peace with that, that's a part of the human experience. This idea of perfection is bullshit. There is no such a thing. The most kind person in you. What did I say to you about the Zen teacher? We just grab all the food. They just put their shit right out on the table. There's less to defend that way. Go ahead. Well, I choose my father and I realize everything that I was accusing him of, I was guilty. Well, no. It's driving me crazy. It's but the worst. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. But when you do that, you can actually start having a real relationship. It might be the relationship inside your heart. It might not ever be with that person. But you can have a true relationship. That whole adage of walking inside someone's shoes for a thousand miles, it's true. It's true. But be human. Because sometimes that stuff just comes up on you. You want to punch the person. And that's okay too. At least be aware of what is it triggering in you. Go ahead. Um, you know, obviously by the time you went into second person, I saw where this was going. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was already thinking ahead, like, but I don't do that to her. I don't do that to her. I don't do that to her. And then I realized I do all of those things to him. Mm. Good. Good, that's beautiful, because now you can own it and just opens everything up. We all do that, by the way, so be gentle. I thought I was doing it to my daughter, because I was thinking, like, oh, I'm not doing that to my daughter. But it's amazing. Oh, <laughs> our, our intimate relationships are the ultimate, ultimate spiritual path. I'm telling you, being a monk or a nun, a joke, I'm serious, compared to a genuine spiritual relationship. A spiritual relationship, I'm not talking about living in bumfuck. India. I'm talking engaged. It's difficult. It's difficult. And lovely. Lovely that the both of you are here. It's the hardest time right now to be in a relationship because we're all changing so fast. And these social contracts that go, but we made this contract two years ago. It doesn't matter. It's changing right now. My heart to every person who is in a relationship. Be gentle and lovely that you have that realization. Now, watch the part of you that wants to beat yourself up let that go. Work on the vulnerability. You're a human being. We're flawed. We all do it. Work on forgiveness and then enjoy the rest of your life. You're young. It's good. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I had trouble, uh, like, like you, I think, when we got to the first.
We, we all do it, right? It's, it's a part of all of us. It might be more sublimated. I mean, everybody here is obviously done work on themselves. It might not be as raw. It might be a razor blade as opposed to a hacksaw. Mm -hmm. It's just it's about owning your power. Be gentle. Go on. Um, for me, it was, you know, I started by focusing on somebody that I used to work with, and then when it turned to the first person, I realized why it wasn't because <coughs> I did it. It's because what my dad, it's the same behavior that my dad had done to me. It was sort of mirroring the same relationship that worked over again. So I think it was, it was very clearly like it worked very quickly into that, which is ironic because they actually went to college together and didn't know each other. So it's like, why did I make that connection? <laughs> Keep working on that one. I mean, sit, sit, sit with it. It's really good practice because it's freeing. Uh, I um, chose like a girl close to my own age who's like a friend of a friend, and I was like, nah, I mean, I do have some, you know, there are some things that I think I'm insecure about that I see in her about myself. But then I realized she kind of like goes after married men, and I'm about to get married, and I think that that's what it was. Like, that I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to control. And go into a little bit deeper. So what aspect of you possibly has that energy? Uh, all I can think of is other things about her that she, I mean, these are some of the things I was thinking about her, that she always, like, wants, and, like, wants what other people have and, in other ways. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like, put me on the list. I don't want to pay. You know, like, I'm special. And, you know, and I think those things I, I can see in myself. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and look, you've had a near-death experience as a child, so you definitely have sort of things that, that people haven't had. At the same time, the subtle stuff is more difficult to see. Once the big stuff, you know what I mean? You're not going to be after someone's husband, but it's the subtle stuff. And we all want to be special. I mean, that thing is like for all of us. So we get pissed when other people, how dare you? You know, say, because I'm special. I mean, I'm the chosen one. So that part of it. Go on. I feel like I do this a lot anyway because I'm always in my head, yes. so I can be argumentative. You know, the person I picked, I feel like I am like that, I am like that, but I'm not like that. So I, I always have a hard time, but I do. I, I know I don't like somebody, and I can be quite unfiltered. Um, yeah. So you don't think you're argumentative? Oh, I didn't say that. Oh. I'm not. The, I feel like I try to have community with people, and this person, I feel like. She's part of the community. Why doesn't she act like it? Why doesn't she care about the rest of us? Instead of when we make a mistake, act like we're stupid idiots. You know, I'll try to help that person or whatever. But well, do you treat yourself like a stupid idiot when you make mistakes? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Good. But that doesn't give her the right to do it. Uh, but we're not talking about her. This is about you. That's what I'm saying. This is the thing about that. So you don't go back to the third person. It comes back to the first person. Right. We don't really care about them. They might be like that. They might stay like that. You can choose to be in a relationship with them or not. What we're working on is where is the first person? What aspect of us is triggered? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who trigger a lot of things in your community of friends that might not be clean. That might be... Well, whatever. What is that trigger and where does that go inside of one? That's, that's the exercise. Um, I chose someone who I have a very difficult relationship with, but we're very, um, it's almost like, I don't know, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out the nature of our relationship and why we're so magnetically connected, yet it feels very unhealthy. But um, we're friends and we have 
this common thread, and I feel like there's always this tension between us, and we don't purposely try and do things to hurt the other person, but somehow it always seems that way, and I think in a way it's, we're each other's mirror, the projection, like, I think that's the true nature of the relationship, and um, so I had a chat with her, and uh, it, was, it wasn't difficult to understand that what upsets me about her, what upsets me about myself. I mean, there's a large line to oneself and then causing all kinds of reckless situations because of it. And, um, and it's hard to see her do it, but it's even harder, you know, to know that I am too. So, yeah. So be gentle, but also really keep the hot side on that aspect in yourself. It's a good exercise to do every once in a while, once a week, for a couple of minutes a day, and you're doing your meditation. Softening. It's also about softening. It's not about perfection. It's about softening oneself. shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Some old hippie said that. So you don't do anything with it. Just knowing it is what shifts it. It's that. There is not an extra step there. The truth sets us free. And this stuff isn't pleasant. Right? All this, I love like these places like here have become these caricatures of themselves. People smiling, walking through the fields with a glass of grape juice in their hand. It's like, this is the work, man. Let's get into the sewer system, neck deep in shit, with the shovels. That's the work. That's what you're doing. You're up to your, up to your neck in your shit. But you come out of it. But if you're in that shit thinking it's roses, which is most of our culture, we can't eat the food, we can't drink the water, it's because we're not doing this work, truly. Young was young was no dummy. Truly, this man was a prophet on that level. He said exactly where we're heading. He saw it. Our disconnection. So what you're doing is you're connecting. It's not about beating yourself up. And it's not just your stuff. All relationships are 50-50. You're in a relationship with someone, they betray you. I'm married, my wife has an affair. 50% of that is mine. Even if she's the one having the affair. 50-50. So watch the part that wants to not write away like, oh, I'm so fucked up. No. 
You own your 50%. What's owning? You just become aware of it. That's all. By Remember what I said to you. You don't have to go looking for truth. Stop seeking untruth and acting like it's truth. Truth is there all the time. You just get rid of the untruth, get, become aware of the untruth, not even get rid of it. Boom. Transformation happens. And it is painful. The flip side of this is joy. It's not let's just have pain for the sake of pain. You just cannot bystep, bypass this. This is not a step you can pass. And most spiritual practices pass this. Psychology, spirituality. You need to marry the two. Go ahead. Um, so I picked a co-worker. And uh, I, I just see he has, you know, he has a lot of resistance to everything the way it is. Willingness is like it gets easier and easier.